you're a veteran, can you just hold your hand up high? Let's show them some love. Thank you guys so much for helping, helping defend our freedom. And if you never actually served on the battleground, you still helped keep the system together so that we are ready 24-7 and you are valuable. Thank you so much. We're going to hear from two of our veterans. First, we're going to start with some testimonies from Lieutenant Colonel John Kohler. Come right on, brother. Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's my pleasure to get to tell you a few stories this morning. I'd like to open with two words of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you that the 29 years in the military you let me have, and I am just the most common of men, Lord, and you let me have a special career. And I am no politician, which is very handy in the service, but I had the Lord with me. My military career started when I was very young. My dad went in the military, I mean, my dad went in the, was drafted in the military, and I'm four years old. And mom, and we lived on a ranch, grandma and grandpa lived in a big house, and we lived in a little house. And every night, mom had me on our knees beside our bed praying for dad. I lived through all of his letters he sent to mom, and we prayed every night, and I believed it. And I rode my horse around the ranch as a five-year-old. I mean, I've got the Lord. And I believe this was so true when my dad went in Omaha Beach and they were fighting across France and every man in his squad was killed but him. And I said, amen, Lord, amen. And he was blown unconscious, lost his left eardrum. And uh, proof of prayer. In 1956, I joined the National Guard as soon as I could. I stayed in the National Guard for seven years through high school and college, and then I joined the Air Force in, in, 1980, in 1966. And uh, after 15 months of school, I turned out to be a lieutenant helicopter pilot, and I was sent to McCord, Washington to train to be a, a rescue crew commander. And after one year there, I'm on my way to Vietnam. I'm on, on my way to Benoit. I, my first day of, oh, I got on my knees and prayed. And I asked the Lord to let me come home in one piece. And I asked the Lord for a lot of missions. My first day of combat was the 13th of September, 1968. And here I am, a lieutenant, first day on the war, and the, a klaxon would ring, and we'd go answer the phone, and they'd tell us what was happening. So it rang, and they said that a General Ware had been shot down as his helicopter and all of them on board, and they wanted us to go out and survey the situation. Here I am, brand new lieutenant, just off the street, but I'm on duty, and I look at my commander, and he said, Kohler, you got it. So we scrambled, got in that chopper, and we flew 45 miles out across the Vietnamese jungle. And there was the helicopter, crashed, burnt. Every man was burnt to a crisp, every, all, all of them. 
I landed beside and my men loaded them up. We start flying back to Benoit. Start flying back to Benoit, and uh, they come up from ground crew, and they said, Pedro, we just found another body here. Have you got room for it? And I looked back at my men in the back, and they said, yes, sir, we can get one more back here. So I said, we're coming back. I start back, and this army chopper comes online, and he says, Pedro, go on. I can, I can get it. Okay, thank you. So I start back to Benoit, and then all this commotion started up on the radios. That army chopper, when he came in to get that last body, when he came to hover, a sniper shot him right in the forehead, and they'd crashed and wiped out. Well, this is a picture of me when we get back to Benoit. I just sit there. I am just like this. They unloaded all those bodies, and they said, Lieutenant Kohler, you can get out of the chopper now. Okay, I've got a year to go. Well, I had prayed for a lot of missions. Okay, the way we worked, you had your primary crew and you worked 24 hours. You were relieved for meals by your backup crew, and then when that day was over, you got a day off to do your personal business and rest. And then the third day, you were the backup crew, and any time the primary crew was on a mission, everybody moved up a notch. My crew, we were, on, we were in the jungle all the time. I'd ask for a lot of missions. I mean, the normal crew got one mission a week. I had one time three missions in one day. And we, we had a reputation. People was laughing about us all up and down Vietnam in rescue. Lieutenant Kohler, you don't want to be on his crew. Well, they did. They actually did. I mean, they actually did. Let me share another mission with you, one more. Uh, on the 28th of February, 1968, the klaxon went off, and I go and answer the phone. And a long-range patrol had been ambushed. Fourteen GIs were out there in the jungle, shot up. And we went after them. Seven of them were wounded bad. They're in the middle, and the other seven formed a line of perimeter defense around them. I come to hover over them, and excuse this word, but all hell broke loose. The choppers start going like this, shaking all over, and machine gun fire and rifle fire. Well, growing up on that ranch, I did a lot of quail hunting, and the first time a, you shot into a quail, they went over the first brush, and they were safe. Oh, let me add my first thought. That was the 28th of February. That was the day Carolyn was giving birth to our second baby. And I said, Carolyn's giving a baby to, having a baby today, and I'm dying. You know, that chopper was just like this. I went over the first brush and the fire stopped. So I go flying back to Benoit, not knowing when that thing was gonna fall out of the sky. Bullet holes everywhere. My landing gear was shot out beneath my feet. I called my commander and I said, boss, make about a stack of sandbags, about two and a half feet tall, so I can land my chopper and put my front, my chopper on those sandbags and it won't roll over. And then I ask him, please pull out the, the backup helicopter. And he says, what are you going to do with that, Lieutenant Kohler? I said, we're going, we got seven boys laying out there in the jungle, and we're going back to get them. We landed. We jumped out, jumped out of the chopper. And I asked my men, I'm talking about my crew, I said, if nobody wants to go back, just let me know. They were in that chopper. 
<laughs> Carolyn's still here. She said if I cried, she was going to get up and leave. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying. We went back. And when we got back there, the Army was flying a circle. They had a circle of Huey Cobra gunships. And if anything moved in the jungle, they got burnt. So when I went back for the other seven, there was no problem. We got them. There's my crew. The guy with the rope on his leg, that's my PJ. Those guys were supermen. They could do everything. They could do scuba work. They do medical work. They could do mountain work. And, and they went down that jungle and brought back the wounded. That was my co-pilot. Uh, a reporter came down and, and started asking us pic, uh, questions, and Harvey was a captain, and he was about six years older than me, so he asked Harvey, where, where was this on the map? And Harvey's showing him where the map is. The guy in, in the, on my right shoulder was our flight engineer, and he's the one that keeps the chopper flying, so just, just going with that. Okay. Um, we got back, and they had counted 28 bullet holes in the helicopter, and not a man touched. That's a miracle. That helicopter, that, that, that helicopter wasn't half the size of this stage. And we had bullet holes everywhere, and nobody touched. I had a burn on the back of my neck, but it didn't draw blood, so I couldn't get a Purple Heart. <laughs> but that night, I went to the BX and bought a Bible. And since February the 28th of 69, I've read the Bible every day because, I mean, I. I walked with the Lord that day, face to face. After Vietnam, I volunteered to fly for MAC. That was Military Airlift Command. And then the C-5s came on the program. I volunteered to fly the C-5, and that was the world's largest transport aircraft at that time. And uh, for three years, I'm just flying back and forth to Vietnam. That was so beautiful to get to go to Vietnam and unload, and you boys got it, and now I'm going back. Uh, after three years, we come to October 1973, Yom Kippur Day, the most holy day in the Israeli calendar. And they were all off duty, they were on vacation, and they were attacked. They were attacked from the north by Syria, they were attacked from the south by Egypt, and they were really getting shellacked. That night, Golda Meir called our president, and she says, President Nixon, if you don't help us, Israel will cease to exist. This was her words. Of course, I didn't know about that in the middle of the night, but the next morning, my phone was ringing. And next thing I know, I'm with two C-5s heading for Israel. Our orders were to fly to lodges Air Force Base, that's in the Azores, it's about 400 miles off of Spain, Portugal. Land, refuel, and uh, you'll get a briefing. So the two of us, we went, landed, refueled, and we went in for a briefing. Well, this briefing is from a one-star general. So pay attention, this is serious. That one-star general said, you don't fly over any Muslim country. He said, you fly to the Rock of Gibraltar and fly right down the middle of the Med. Okay, so we go out and 
both of them start our engines, and the, and the other one's supposed to be first. They had the Alcide crew and some colonels and stuff on board. And I sat there and waited 20 minutes. Well, the whole world was watching us. They was watching when America was going to start supporting Israel. And we was under pressure, and they said, go ahead. 0461, that was me, and they were 006. Go ahead and go. So we went. We went to the Mediterranean, and again, I prayed all the way down the Mediterranean. We were 200 miles out, and an Israeli fighter came up on each wing tip, just like that. Wow, I could, you could see those boys, they just smiled at us. I landed, they pulled off. As the C-5 would kneel, it would kneel straight down, it would kneel forward, it would kneel aft. And as soon as we got that airplane, we knelt it forward, and an Israeli tank crew ran in and jumped on that M60 tank, and they were out the door and headed for the front, just like that. And then all that, and then we had an M60 tank and the rest of it, tons, tons of 105 millimeter ammunition, which Israel was so short on 105, they were running out of it, and they were short on tanks. Operation Nickelgrass. I walked to the tail of my airplane, and I looked off to the northwest, and I knew there was 14 141s following us, and there they were. There was a line coming in. And I said, our, our president and Operation Nickelgrass has saved Israel, has saved Israel. Well, For the next six weeks, I made six trips to Israel. I mean, Carolyn had two little girls, and she was a public health nurse for the state of Delaware. But I mean, I came home, and all my clothes was always ready to go. Air Force had 80 C-5s, and they made 145 trips to Israel those 80, and we carried the majority of the material for, for Operation Nickelgrass. Uh, and I made six of those trips, and, and I, I never researched. I don't know who, if anybody made more than six, I don't know. But that's, that's the story, that's the career the Lord let me have in the military. Just an average guy, pray, praying to my Lord. Love you all. That night that uh, Golden Mayor called our president, if, if you all remember this story, but here's the story. Richard Nixon grew up a Quaker, and his mother told him, you will have an opportunity in your life to help Israel. And when you do, you help them, son. Wow. Praise the Lord. <laughs>